right, that's good. If I preach real fast, I'll be on my way to Delaware in two hours at least. Two hours at least. I got an amen out of two hours, but that person was under 30 years old. Amen. All right, let's look in John chapter 3 tonight. I told you last night that I intended to preach the gospel tonight. And, um, you know, I, I did uh, take a little survey in our Bible class one time about what folks thought the gospel was. And it was said during that class, one fellow said that the gospel is all the Bible. Don't say amen to that. Uh, he said the gospel is all the Bible is not uh, the gospel is not all the Bible. The Bible from cover to cover doesn't constitute the gospel. The Bible says the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ according to the scriptures. Now that's a, a condensed uh, quotation of, uh, of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and we will get there in just a second. But uh, what I want to say to you tonight is I'm, I'm preaching to the lost. And sometimes when you preach to the lost... Uh, then folks that are saved begin to wonder in their mind, uh, am I really saved? Am I really saved? Am I really saved? Well, I can't answer that question, but I can tell you this with absolute certainty. If what you hear tonight is what you heard last time you made a profession of faith, and what, you're about, what you think you need to profess is what you professed last time, then don't talk yourself out of being saved. Uh, if the first time you heard the gospel, you didn't respond to it, and maybe the second time you didn't, then the third time you heard the gospel, somebody told you that Jesus died for your sins, was buried, and rose again the third day, and you said, that's what I believe. I believe that. I'm convinced of that, and I'm going to trust Jesus as my Savior. And you ask Him to save you, and you ask Him by faith, and He saved you, and then the next time you get a little worried about it or whatever, and you decide, well, maybe I didn't get saved, uh, then just remember what you're about to do is you're about to believe the very same thing you believed before, and you're about to pray the very same prayer about the very same subject that you prayed before. So don't be easily talked out of your salvation just because somebody's preaching a gospel message. Now, I say that just to say, hey, I don't want to leave here and say, you know, half of people's Baptists got saved, you know, because I, I know uh, most of you, uh, I know all of you by face, and I've, I've seen most of you before, at least one other time before, and I know most of you's testimonies, and I'm not here to talk you out of your, out of your salvation, but I do believe that the gospel message is, is a good message, not only for lost folks, but for saved folks, and uh, I think if if uh, I think if Bible-believing Baptist churches preached the gospel more, they'd have more results. And the folks would say, well, I don't know what's wrong with Christianity. Nobody's getting saved. Nothing's wrong with Christianity. Not one thing is wrong with Christianity. The gospel has never lost its power. Uh, the problem is, is that the gospel doesn't get preached. Now, I'm for, and you've heard me preach before, against drinking, against long hair on men, uh, women's modesty, uh, Man ought to run his house, and the woman ought to be submissive to her husband. You've heard me preach all that stuff before, but that is not the gospel. That is not what gets folks saved. Now, it does define sin. Preaching like that defines sin, and there, there has to be that. The law was given 
uh, in the Old Testament so that we'd know what sin is, so that we would know that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans chapter 3. The law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Sin definitely has to be defined, but the gospel is not the definition of sin. Gospel, the gospel is the remedy for sin, and that's why, that's why I believe we ought to preach the gospel more and have more gospel preaching, and if you have more gospel preaching, you have more gospel response, amen? You have more folks getting saved, and so I, I do think that a lot of people are losing confidence or losing uh, their, their assurance about well, maybe the church doesn't have the power that it used to, and and you know maybe uh, maybe the world just got to the place where they can't respond to the no. It's not that. It's just that the gospel isn't being preached, and that's you know it, it's good to preach doctrine. It's good to teach about eternal security. It's good to teach about uh, the uh, predestination of the believer, and that once you're saved, you're predestinated to be conformed to the image of God's Son. That's that's what predestination is. It's good to talk about that and preach about that. Sanctification, redemption, all these things need to be talked about. They need to be preached about. But most of those things that I just mentioned are a result of salvation, being saved through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you uh, take step one and go to step two, step three, step four. All that stuff is good. But the first step, is the powerful step. Uh, not that the, the doctrines don't have power, but the Bible says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So let's preach the gospel tonight, and, and let's look at these things. I think I told you John chapter 3. Let me pray, and then we'll read just a little bit here in John 3 and some other places. Lord, thank you tonight for your goodness and for your grace. Thank you for allowing us to stand here tonight. God, forgive me of my sins. Help me to preach. Lord, I pray that you'd wash me and cleanse me, uh, cleanse my thoughts, cleanse my mind, God. I pray, oh God, you'd help me to preach according to your will tonight. Help me to preach the truth. Help these to hear the truth and understand the truth. And Lord, you said that the truth would make us free. And Lord, I pray, God, that you would help us tonight. Uh, I believe that most of the folks in the room are saved. And Lord, I believe that with all my heart. But Lord, I still believe that the gospel message is a message, God, for uh, all folks saved and lost. And I thank you and praise you, dear God, for what you'll do in this message tonight. May the gospel be our number one primary focus, dear God, when it comes to ministry. And I thank you and praise you for everything that you do in regards to this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. John chapter 3, and we'll start reading in verse number 1. It says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. So real quick, back in verse number 5, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water, that's your natural birth, a water birth, a fleshly birth, 
And it said, and of the Spirit, that's the second birth, that's salvation, that's being born from above, that's being born by, uh, by the Spirit of God. So he says, except a man be born of water, that's the first birth, and of the Spirit, that's the second birth, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And then he defines what I just told you in verse 5 and verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that's all this thing will ever be. You're born from your mother, a water birth, you're born a sinner, and the only thing that this flesh will ever be is sinful flesh. That's all it'll ever be. Uh, and I know this, some of you folks that are saved, you're saved, and you've been reading your Bible, and you've been going to the altar, and you've been, you know, I, I know you've been having all night prayer meetings, ain't you? And you've been, uh, you've been working real hard to get rid of these fleshly thoughts and these fleshly actions and these fleshly attitudes. I told Nathan today, I said, I said, Brother Nathan, if I could just get my attitude to match my theology, I'd be a good man. God, God might be able to use me a little bit if my attitude would just match my theology. But there ain't but one thing about that. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. I'm talking about my flesh, your flesh, preacher flesh, deacon flesh, don't make no difference. Presbyterian flesh, Methodist flesh, Baptist flesh, it's just flesh. You can clean it up today and you'll have to do the same thing tomorrow. Paul said he died daily. So whatever you clean up today, you're probably going to have to clean up tomorrow. Uh, you get one specific thing fixed up, you might last two days. You might last three days. But those things are going to come back around, tempt you again. And the Bible says, and I'm thankful, the Bible says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation make a way to, the, to escape, that you may be able to bear it. Sometimes it's hard to bear, isn't it? Get down on your knees, profess Christ as your Savior, go down to the church house, say amen a little bit, stick your hands up in the air, hallelujah, and put on the show like you're the best Christian that you've ever been, and then two or three days later, you feel like that's all it was, a show. If that wasn't nothing but a, I mean, if that was real, how can I think like I've been thinking and act like I've been acting and do the things I've been doing and cussing my wife like I'm cussing my wife and fussing at my husband like I'm fussing at my, and of course I'm talking about you fussing at your husband. I ain't got no husband, amen, amen, but, I'm get, uh, but you understand the illustration, don't you? How, how in the world can I go down to the house of God and shout and carry on and get down on the altar and cry and then go home? and fuss like I do and carry on like I do and watch the stuff I do and listen to the stuff I do. How can I do that? Well, I'm telling you how you can do that because there's no temptation taking you but such as is common to man. The Bible says Elijah was a man of like passions as we are. But at the same time, he was in connection with the Spirit of God. He could pray so that it wouldn't rain for the space of three years, and it didn't rain for the space of three years. And he could pray to where, if he said, God, let fire come down and burn this guy in his 50 and, and deliver me from the, that would, that's what happened. I mean, he could pray the fire down and be of like passions as me and you. That means he thought the same things. He liked the thing, same things. He loved the same things that you and me love. But at the end of the day, that which is born of flesh, it's just flesh. That's all it's ever going to be. And hey, we can beat ourselves up about that, and we should. And the devil can beat us up about that, and he's going to. There's no question about that. You give him, uh, you give him some examples to use, and he's going to use those examples about what's wrong with you. The Bible says he's the accuser of the brethren. 
You know what that means, don't you? It means he's going to accuse you. And he's going to look at you and he's going to find you faults and failures and he's going to say, hey, how could you be a Christian and talk like that and act like that and think like that and watch like that and listen like that? And to a certain extent he's right, but he ain't right about one thing. He ain't right about the fact that, that that's all you are. He's not right about, hey, the flesh is not the only thing uh, about you. The flesh is not the only thing that defines you if you're saved by the grace of God because that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Man, get down on his knees and call on the Lord Jesus Christ and we'll see these things doctrinally, doctrinally here in just a minute. And the Spirit of God comes in a man's heart and in a man's life and cuts that old flesh away from his spirit and then begins to work on him. And, and that sinful man, subject to like passions as Elijah and every other man, comes down the house of God. And he might have just got done fussing at his wife or, or whatever the case may be. And somebody begins to play and somebody begins to sing and somebody begins to preach. And, and that same fellow that was, uh, that was not doing all the things that he should have done just two hours ago be standing up. Oh, hallelujah. You say, Why, how could he do that? That makes him a hypocrite. No, that makes all of us hypocrites because that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Amen. Hey, that fleshly stuff, your flesh likes it. But that spiritual stuff, the Spirit likes that. Amen. Read Romans chapter 7. Uh, memorize Romans chapter 7. Uh, the greatest preacher that there ever was since Jesus went back to heaven and said, that, those things that I hate, that I do. Have you ever read Romans 7? He said, boy, the, the things I love, I don't do those things. The things I know that's true, the things I know that's right, the things I know that's godly, the things I know that's holy, I don't do those things. The things I know is wrong, the things I know ain't right, the things I know is filthy, the things I know is fleshly, I do those things. The greatest preacher that ever lived apart from Jesus as far as I'm concerned, I mean, he's our apostle to the Gentiles. I can think that if I want to. And you might have a different opinion, but you need to get in the New Testament. Amen? Uh, but, at, but at any rate, the, 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 uh, Paul the apostle to the Gentiles said, things I hate I do. Why is that? Because that which is flesh... That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That's all it's ever going to be. It can be trained flesh. From time to time it can be sanctified flesh. From time to time it can be even holy flesh. If you sanctify yourself and fast a little bit and pray and separate yourself, there's a, there is a measure of holiness that you can train into your flesh, but it's still flesh. Leave it alone a day or two and quit praying a day or two and you'll be right back in the same shape you was in. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1, it says, Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. He says, For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you should be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of God. He said, But he that lacketh these things is blind, and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten. Hath forgot. He didn't say you wouldn't saved if you don't if you if you don't do these things. He said if you don't do these things, you you blind yourself. You won't be able to see very far off. Your spiritual sight will be dimmed. He said forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. You can get so far out you can make another profession. So I don't really believe I was saved. But let me ask you: Did you believe what you believe now? That's that's the requirement. Now look here. Look here, he says, uh, Nicodemus says, he said, uh, verily, or Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water 
and of the Spirit he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Verse number 9, Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? How can these things be? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? He's a master. He's a Pharisee. He's one of the religious bosses. He's supposed to know all that there is about, about the, the uh, religion of the Jews. He's supposed to know all that there is to know about that. And Jesus said, you don't know about that new birth. It's not common knowledge. It's not fleshly knowledge. It's spiritual knowledge. And Jesus said, you must be born again. You must be born again. There is a physical birth. You have to have that. <laughs> if you're here, you have to have that. Hey, if you're here and you don't have that, I ask you to leave. Amen? You need to, you need to be gone. Uh, but that, that physical birth is just for a little while. That physical birth, uh, because Adam sinned, we all sin, born in sin, we're going to die. We're going to die one day. We ain't dead yet, thank the Lord. But one of these days, this old flesh is going to go in the dirt someplace. This, this first birth, this water birth, this fleshly birth, it's only temporary. It's only just for a little while. But that spiritual birth, that's forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And that's the kind of birth that you need, one that's forever and ever. And listen, if you don't have the second birth that's forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever, you're just wasting your time here. You can have houses and lands and money and cars and you can be busy and stay busy all day, every day and you can accomplish some things and get some things done and you can accomplish some goals and you can see some dreams realized on this planet but you're just wasting your time. And what good is, is uh, fulfilling dreams and, and accomplishing goals and, and uh, having a wife, I sort of say wives, but don't have no wives. I, I'm talking plurally here, amen. Just get one wife and stay with her, amen. Uh, but what's even the use of that? And having little babies and if you can't spend forever with them and if you can't, amen, if you can't see the fruits of your labor forever. Jesus said you must be. You must be. You must be born again. You must be. This is something that you got to do. You have to do it. It has to be done. So, well, I was born in the, you know, Pres uh, Presbyterian Church or the Methodist Church or the Baptist Church, and I got baptized as a little baby, and I've been raised up in it all my life, and, and I know the, you know, the Romans Road, and I know the Apostles' Creed, and I know the Philadelphia Confession of Faith, and I know, man, I know this preacher and that preacher, and I heard him preach over there, and I heard that guy preach over there, and boy, I agree with all them preachers, and I like those preachers, and, you know, I like the deacons, and, I, uh, you know, we carry the deacon's wife, you know, a, a pound cake every Christmas. Hey, that's not what he said. He didn't say you must carry the deacon's wife a pound cake every Christmas. He didn't say, he didn't say you must know the Apostles' Creed. He didn't say that. He didn't say you must be a Methodist or you must be a Baptist. Hey, he didn't say you must be a Bible believer. Now, now that's going to be part of it, but that's not what he said. Now, the Bible says faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So don't get twisted what I'm about to say here. But listen, being a King James Bible believer don't make you say, Amen. Amen. Did you know this? Being right don't make you a good person. Being right don't make you a good person. Did you know being nice don't make you a good person? Amen. Did you know caring for your children 
don't make you a good person. A dog, a dog knows how to do that. You say, well, some do and some don't. Well, some people do and some people don't. Amen. Don't make you a good person. And who told you being a good person gets you to heaven anyway? Amen. The Bible says you must be born again. You must be born again. Turn over with me to Second uh, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, a great chapter. I wouldn't say it's the best chapter because I like them all, but 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm in 1 Corinthians. I was about to say, Lord have mercy. I told you I couldn't see good. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 17. Well, I may as well read from verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. That's that fleshly birth. Living to yourself. Spending all your time on yourself. Spending all your time on your projects. Spending all your time on your goals. But that's not what he said. He said he died for all that they which live, are you saved? Then you're alive now. They which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Hey, stop looking at each other if you're saved. Stop looking at, at, at other men and other women as just men and women. He said, we don't know people after the flesh anymore. If you've heard the gospel and believed the gospel and trusted Christ, God did something in your life uh, to where you ought to start training yourself not to look at this man or that woman or, or this boy or that girl and start looking at them as, is he saved? Is he lost? If we're supposed to have a birth that's not after the flesh but after the spirit, then we need to start having an, an attitude, an outlook towards other people that concerns that very issue. Uh, that fellow back there, is he of the flesh or is he of the spirit? <laughs> and I'm not talking about walking around with a magnifying glass judging everybody's life. I'm talking about just it ought to put some, uh, some inqu inquisition in your soul. It ought to put some curiosity in your soul. Hey, uh, do you happen to be born again? You saved? And it's not that daunting. It's not that terrible. You know, uh, you know I, I gave out some tracts yesterday and uh, up there at the store, and those fellas was glad to have it. They look rough. I mean, they look rough. They look like, you know, them old hard country boys. They look like, you know, maybe if you went over and talked to them, they might pull a switchblade knife on you or something or pull out that shotgun. Hey, stop looking at people like that. They ain't going to do that, especially if they buy themselves. Amen. Uh, people hardly brave anymore unless they're with a pack of, people. But anyway, you go, man, that fellow looks pretty hard, but I'm going to give him a track, tell him about the Lord, and invite him to church anyway. Oh, thank you, buddy. Well, you, maybe you need to tell me about the Jesus you know. I don't, I don't know. Hey, but hey, but a lot of times you think that somebody's going to bite your head off or maybe laugh at you, but uh, laughing at you is a whole lot less difficult than being nailed to a cross, ain't it? Yeah. Amen. So just, just go ahead. The Bible says go out beyond the camp. Uh, bearing his reproach, amen? Uh, that reproach issue of Christianity has gone by the wayside over the last several years. But at any rate, let's move on with this. Henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, if you're saved, if any man be in Christ, if you're in the covenant of Christ, if you're alive in Christ, 
He says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. A new creature. You say, why is he a new creature? Because he's got a new birth. Hey, if you've trusted Christ and Christ has come in your heart and in your soul and did that operation of God that it talks about in Colossians chapter 2, hey, you're not the same person you was before. You're a new, you're a new creature. You're a new creature. Now, I, I will say this. You might have been sincere in your profession of faith and you might not have uh, picked up the habit of praying. You might not have picked up the habit of reading your Bible. You might not have picked up the habit of going to church like you ought to. There might be some things that are seriously wrong with your life, but that's because you are still who you are in the flesh, just like I explained to you at the beginning of the sermon. But I think that uh, every person in this room that's saved knows beyond a shadow of a doubt when you met Christ and when you trusted Christ, God did something in your heart and soul to make you something different than you were the day before that. Maybe just 15 minutes before that. I could say it that way. Or five minutes before that. And the very moment you called on Christ, He did something that changed you. It changed you. Hey, it changed you for real. It's not that you just went to church and prayed a little prayer and then started pretending to be something else. That's not it. That's not the real transaction. The real transaction is, is maybe somebody come down to your house and talk to you at your kitchen table or your dining room table or your living room table. Or maybe it is you come down to the church house and you sit down and you heard the preacher preach how Jesus died on the cross for you. He was buried. He rose again the third day. And now he sent out preachers all over the world, witnesses all over the world, deacons all over the world, church members all over the world to say, hey, did you know Jesus? You should come to him today. He died for your sins on an old rugged cross. He was buried and rose again. Hey, and you heard that story. You believed that story. You went down to an altar or you got down beside your bed or you got down beside your coffee table at home and said, Jesus, come into my heart and save me. And when you got up, you was somebody different you was, and you knew it and you knew it. And even if you're so backslid, you don't know it right now. Look back to that place. Look back to that time. Don't you remember what it was like when you got up and the burdens were rolled away? Boy, if you don't, if you don't know that, do that now. Do that today. Don't even wait for the invitation. Grab old Tommy over there. Grab Sister Heidi over there. Y'all go out the back door and talk it over. Amen. You can come back in here in a few minutes. A new man. A new man. Uh, uh, listen, not a new creation. A new creature. A new creature. Uh, don't even sound flattering, does it? Well, look at that creature. <laughs> uh, uh, look at that creature right there. But I know that's what you are. Because that's what the Bible said about you. If you're saved, you're a new creature. You're a new creature. You're a better creature now than the creature you was before. Uh, before you got saved, maybe you was the creature from the Black Lagoon. I don't know. But, but you're the creature from somewhere else now, ain't you? Amen. Ain't no use in worrying about aliens from another planet now. Listen, uh, the creatures that are right here on this planet be scary enough sometimes. Amen. Uh, but listen, if you're a new creature in Christ, you're from another place. The Bible says we're pilgrims and strangers here over in the book of Hebrews, amen? So you just go around making more creatures, amen, if you're saved. If you're not, though, if you don't remember that, if you, if you never had that experience with Christ where you heard his word and you believed his word and you did business with the Lord and you called on him to save you, hey, and don't skip that part either. Let's turn over to the book of Romans. We're talking about being a new creature, but let's turn over to the book of Romans. 
and look in the book of Romans at uh, Romans chapter number 10. Uh, boy, I don't, believe in, I don't believe in skipping no parts. I don't believe in guesswork either. Listen, when it comes to your soul, don't, don't get invested in no guesswork. I'm hearing preachers now, Brother Nathan, talking about, you know, it's just really what you believe in your heart. And maybe you could be sitting back there on your pew, and maybe you're hearing the message that I'm preaching, and you just know in your heart that you believe what I'm saying. God will come to you right there. Well, God might come to you right there where you're at, but look here. Look here. In Romans chapter number 10, he says this. I'm not in Romans 10 yet, but Romans 10 and verse 9, he says, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, confess with thy mouth, Confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. He said, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's an absolute positive statement. Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. How can you rightly say you got salvation if your mouth hadn't confessed it? The mouth, with the mouth, confession is made. Well, you're talking about works. It's, it's no work to call on God. It's no work to call on God. For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Don't skip that part. Don't skip that part. Call on him. Call on him. Call on him. Amen. Say, Lord, save me. That was enough for Simon Peter, wasn't it? Amen. And he was just drowning in water. Amen. You're drowning in sin. You're drowning in a lost and dying world. You're drowning in a filthy universe. Lord, save me. I think that's good enough. I think that's good enough. Yeah, you sitting back there lost. You believe the message you're hearing. Lord, send me. I believe you'd be a new person right there. I believe you'd be a new person before you got the word me out. I think Lord, save would be enough. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Make sure you know, Lord, I'm not Nathan saved. Right. Uh, not just save me. You could be talking to the devil. I don't know. Amen. Yeah. Not mama save me. Not daddy save me. Lord, save me. Lord, save me. I don't believe you should skip that. I don't believe you should say, listen, the Bible says, the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. I, listen, if I was sitting in a meeting somewhere and somebody was up singing a song and I got stirred up and I went down the altar and asked the Lord to save me, you know what I think I'd do when I got home? I think I'd look up the gospel story in the Bible and read it and then ask him to save me again. Amen. Because a song is not the same. Amen. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. I, I think I'd look me up a whole verse of Scripture that told me how to be saved. And I'd call on him that way. I'd just call on him that way. Maybe he did save me when I was down there at the altar. But I'm not giving him no entrances. I'm not giving him no inroads. I'm not giving him no outroads. Say, one day slip up on me and say, the Bible says. Now, that's exactly what the devil will do. Once you do get saved, he'll find some inconsistency and he'll slip up on you and say, now the Bible said you're supposed to get faith by hearing the word of God and all you did was get saved during a song. A song might have something to it. It might, it might not. But I ain't never seen nothing in the Bible that said, huh, faith cometh by songs. I just don't, I, you get built up by songs. 
That's in the book of Ephesians. Amen. Get encouraged by it. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I never seen no verses that said nothing about getting faith from no song. Amen. Well, I'm not theologically, uh, what's that word where uh, God knows everything? What's that theological word? Omniscience. Omniscient. I'm not theologically omniscient. I don't know everything. So I'm going to go ahead and just stick with what the Bible said about getting saved. Amen. Amen. I just don't know about some of that other stuff. Don't know. But I know this. I know he said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you know, when you, when you do that, when God saves you, when God regenerates you, when God does that, you become a new creature. Look with me in the book of Titus now, Titus chapter 3. This is, uh, this is uh, something I saw over the last couple of weeks. Let me get to the book of Titus over here. We're talking about a new creature, right? Verse number, verse number 1, put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers. That don't include uh, Joe Biden, I don't think. I don't think you got to. I don't think you got to be subject to somebody that don't even know what room they're in or what planet they're on. Amen. Amen. Anyway, I don't know. Maybe I'm out of line for that, but I don't feel bad about it though. Uh, put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to ever good. I am a. I am subject to government though. Amen. You ought to be subject to government. If you haven't learned to be subject to your mom and daddy or be subject to a deputy sheriff on the side of the road when you broke the law, we can argue about the just justification of the law, a law being a law. I personally hate a seatbelt law. I think it's ridiculous. I don't wear my seatbelt unless I want to. But if somebody pulls me over and offers me a ticket, offers it to me. Sir, could I offer you this ticket? <laughs> uh, if he offers me a ticket for not wearing my seatbelt, I'll take it. I mean, because what can I do? What you're going to do? You ain't going to do nothing. I don't agree with these seatbelt laws. Well, you're still going to get the ticket and you're still going to pay it. Amen. Amen? Well, that's what he says. Be obedient. Obey, obey the magistrates. Amen. You need law and order. If you can't learn to obey mom and daddy, and if you can't uh, learn to obey the, the laws and the magistrates, how are you going to get to the place where you can obey a God you ain't never seen? That's biblical right there. The Bible says if you don't love your brother who you have seen, how are you going to love God you ain't never seen? Amen. That's right and true, ain't it? Amen. He says uh, to, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers. Now, he's making a good point here. To, this is the way Christians are supposed to act. Subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. Now listen, for we ourselves also were sometimes foolish. You were sometimes foolish. Amen. Brother Mike, why are you preaching say people were foolish? Because they are. That's what the Bible says. Sometimes, right? Maybe not all the time, but sometimes. For we ourselves were sometimes foolish, disobedient, Disobedient. Some of you children disobedient. These girls saying, no, we're not disobedient. We're 18. Amen. <laughs> Any of you girls 18 yet? Disobedient. Yes, sir. Deceived. Deceived. Serving diverse lust and pleasures. Living in malice and envy. Put your seatbelt on now. 
hateful. Hateful. Hating one another. Hateful and hating one another. Oh, we all, we all have to take our lumps over that one, huh? Hateful and hating one another. He said, hey, speak evil of no man. Don't be brawling. Be gentle. Show some meekness. He said, because you was just as foolish as they were. You were just as disobedient as they were. You were just as deceived as they were. But after that, see that? That's the new birth right there in that verse. But after that, but after that, see, you was a brawler. You was hateful. You hated one another. You was foolish. You was deceived. You were disobedient. But after that, something happened after that. Amen. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration. He washed you off in his precious blood, and it regenerated. Listen, you generated when you was born. Genesis, over there, the first book of the Bible, it means the beginning. The regeneration, that's a restart. That's a rebirth right there. You were foolish, disobedient, deceived, hateful, hating one another. But after that, you was regenerated. Now you've got to die every single day to this flesh to stay out from that mess. You get back into that mess. And you get back into that hateful, deceived, deceitful, foolish stuff, then that's where you get blind and can't see afar off and forgotten you were purged from your sins. But you're still, you're still saved. Are you backslid tonight? You're still saved. If you've been saved, I don't want to save you, but if you've been saved, you say, how do you know? Because you've been regenerated. That, listen, that, that ungodly mess you're messing with, that's the product of who you was when you was born to your mama in 1958 or 1970 or 1986, whatever it was. That, that guy you don't like, that guy you have to keep going and telling the Lord, I won't never do that no more. That guy, that's the guy you was when you was born from your mama. That's a different guy. This regenerated guy, that's the guy that's giving you all the fits. We're, we're all bipolar. We are all bipolar. If you go to the doctor and he tells you that you're bipolar and he wants to put you on some meds, say, no thanks. I got my meds at home. I've been forsaking them, though. I haven't been taking my medication. Amen. Now, if you're seriously messed up in the head, you, you take your medication, okay? I, uh, I, don't want to, I don't want you to sue me for getting off your meds and, you know, shooting your husband. Amen. Just <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> uh, and if you do do that, Brother Nathan's the one told me to say that, so Amen. <laughs> he can take responsibility for it. He said, the washing, the washing, the washing of regeneration, that's the new birth, and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost make you something new. Yeah. Amen. Hey, do you remember that? What, listen, whether you've been a Methodist or a Presbyterian or a Baptist or a Bible believer or a fundamentalist or a Baptist or a Ruckmanite or whatever in the world you identify as, do you ever remember a time when God washed you with his blood and regenerated you and you looked around like, man, 
This is a new world. This is a new life. Feels like a new soul I got down in here. Feels like I got some new ambitions, and feels like I got a little bit uh, new sight. And it feels the world, the weight of the world, come off my shoulder. Feels like I got new strength. You remember that? You remember that? You might have forgot it since then, but don't you remember it, boy? If you don't never remember that, tonight's the night. Because I'm 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 here promising you, if you never felt it, it never happened. Oh, we don't go by feelings. I do. I absolutely do. I don't got no problem with no feelings. If you're numb, you're not going to. You don't, you don't have no reference. If you're numb, you don't have no reference. You didn't come down here like a clone. Lord Jesus, I believe in you. Please save me. Thank you, oh God. That might be the way you come to church every Sunday, but that ain't the way you got saved, I promise you that. If you got saved, you got some tears about you, and you, you might not have had no tears, but you got shook up. Huh, you got a little anxious and started looking around. Is somebody going to see me go to the altar? And the Holy Ghost said, you better get down there before you go to hell. You said, yes, sir. And down you went. Amen. And before you got back, said again, you might have slipped your little hand up like you never done before. Said, Amen. That's the way it works. That's just a new man trying to get out. Got him caged up, and he's trying to get out. Let him out once in a while. Amen. Next time your wife fussing at you, Tommy, just let the new man out and let him run. Glory! Hallelujah! <laughs> uh, she'll leave you alone. <laughs> she might run around and shout with you. You don't never know. Hey, I'll tell you what. The new birth will do some family some good. Get your little wife. Get your little husband. Run around with him a little bit. Shout. Throw him up on your shoulders and run around. Glory to God. We saved and going to heaven. Amen. Yep. Do you some good. I, I want to see Heidi grab up Nathan. <laughs> Just run around the building with him. Shouting the glory. Amen. Got something to shout about. Huh? Huh? Her little husband's saved, going to heaven. Got some little babies going to heaven with them. It's worth shouting about. Hey, man, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Yes, sir. Yes, you do. Let me show you one more verse of Scripture here. Uh, over in Ephesians chapter 1. This is, this is one of the prettiest pictures in the Bible of what happens when a man gets saved. Ephesians chapter 1, verse number, verse number 12. Well, we'll read verse number 11 too. In whom, we, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his will. Here's what his will is. That we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ. If you're saved, you should be to the praise of his glory. You should never get to the place where you think there's anything wrong with that, what I was talking about, saying amen a little bit and shouting. Even if it does embarrass your little flesh, Hey, listen, you get up and run around this building or just stand up where you are and shout, amen. Some of these fellas might laugh at you. Some of these ladies might, they might, they might find it amusing. They might laugh and have a good time. But they want to do the same thing if they're saved. If they're saved, they want to do the same thing. You say, how do you know they want to do the same thing? Because God said it was his will. It was his purpose that we should be to the praise of his glory. Man, that's one of the that's that's one of the telltale signs that a person saved that sitting in church. And you might just be sitting at home in your in your living room. And the Holy Ghost break the odd silence and say, 
Ain't it good to be saved? Yes, it is. <laughs> Won't you holler about it a little bit? Well, there ain't, there ain't nobody here but me, Lord. Well, you ain't trying to show no. off, are you? Yeah. <laughs> I'll just shout her out right there. If you're saved in this room, you've wanted to say amen a little bit. Because it's God's will. Amen. That's his purpose. That we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted. Now look, look at this description. After that you heard the word of truth. I already preached that to you. Somebody preached the gospel, you heard it, you believed it. That's what it said right there. In whom ye also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth. You hear the word of the truth, then you trust. The word of truth is the Bible, by the way. In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth. It's the Bible, it's the gospel. It's the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, after ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, after that ye believed, see, you trusted after ye heard, and after you believed, you trusted. And whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. You heard the truth. You believed it. And when you believed it, the Lord come inside you and sealed you and made you a new creature. That's the new birth right there. That's, what That's right there. Plain, simple explanation. In whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. New creature, not the same. That's, that's what predestinated means. Listen, the Bible never said anything about being predestinated to be saved. Listen, this chapter you're reading right here in Romans chapter 8 is the only place you will ever find the word predestinated. That's the only two places. In Romans chapter 8 he says, you're predestinated to be conformed to the image of his Son. It does not say predestinated to be saved. Predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son. When you get saved, God puts his Holy Spirit in you just like we just read there in Ephesians chapter 1. He seals you, verse 14, to the day of redemption, the redemption of the body, which is adoption, but that's another lesson for another time. You say, Lord, I believe. He comes in and seals you, and he says, now look out there way down the road there. Son, that's where you're going. You're going to end up right there next to my son, and when you get right there next to him, you're going to be just like him. God's going to take this vile body and make it like unto his glorious body, and the clutches of that first birth never touch you again, never drag you down again, never mislead you again, never confuse you again, never lead you astray again, never get you in trouble again. You're predestinated to it. You're predestinated to it. Listen to me. Predestination is eternal security. Next time somebody says, why don't you prove eternal security to me? Break out your Bible to, a, to a Romans chapter 8 and run down through there and say, look here, predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son. Be just like him one day. The new birth, hey, that new birth, you remember that first birth I was talking about? You grew up, didn't you? You don't suck on your thumb no more, I hope. Amen? You don't cry at night. Did you feel that? <laughs> you don't suck the bottle no more. You don't cry at night. You've grown up. You take care of your responsibilities. You know, being a newborn baby in Christ, one of these days you're going to grow up. 
You're going to be just like, what, hey, you can stand up tonight and say, when I grow up, I'm going to be just like Jesus. Yeah. And you're predestinated to grow up if you're saved. If you're not saved, come get in the family tonight. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. Lord, I'd ask you to, Lord, uh, magnify your word. I know you honor your word, but I pray you'd magnify it in our hearts and our minds and our lives. Help us, oh God, to, uh, to realize, Lord, if there be one that's not saved, that uh, the condition is lost, God, and that they need to rebirth. They need to be born again. They must be born again. And, Lord, if we are saved, the folks of us here that are saved, I pray you'd help us to realize we are new creatures, got new goals, got new destinations, and predestinate the things set for us, God. We got new destination. We got new purpose. We got a new will. We got a new nature. We got all those things that we can take advantage of. Or we can just sit back and forget. We can sit back and, and just take things easy and, and miss all the advantages of the divine nature that you've given us. Lord, I, I pray, oh God, you'd help us with these things. Lord, if we're not, if a person not saved, I pray you'd help them to be saved tonight. If, the, if they are saved, oh God, I pray you'd help us to uh, take up the mantle of the new creature tonight and walk forward and, go, and press forward with it tonight. And I thank you and praise you, oh God, for what you do. In Jesus Christ's name I ask it. Amen.